you have your Bible this morning, turn with us to Ephesians chapter number 4. The book of Ephesians in chapter number 4. And we'll look at some scripture here in just a moment. As you're turning, I'll tell you this morning that the new year always brings with it some thoughts of future resolutions for past regrets. Uh, you Many, uh, the first week or two of January, uh, many people uh, will decide to remove some things from their lives. So the, first, uh, the first couple weeks of January, there'll be many that'll join a gym because they want to lose some of themselves. You have some people that'll make resolutions that perhaps they had an undesirable habit uh, in the past, and, and so they resolve that they're going to uh, uh, remove that from their life this year. Maybe it's uh, just some things that are unneeded. Maybe because of the Christmas season, uh, your closet is bursting at the seams, and your belt is bursting at the seams, and uh, maybe, you know, there's some things that you just don't need or can't use anymore, and you... You think about this list of things that we just resolve uh, to remove and replace, but you know as well as I know, maybe you've heard the statistic before that the month of January, uh, just this specific uh, thing, the month of January sees the highest number of gym membership signups. The month of January sees the highest uh visits to the gym and then February comes and from there on out it's about a ghost town what good does it do to have a temporary change that will be short-lived only to have more trouble return soon after see resolutions are often delightful in the thinking. I resolved this year I'm going to eat a dozen donuts every day so that next year I can resolve to lose the weight of that dozen donuts. No, I'm kidding. Resolutions are often delightful in the thinking. Well, I've set out I'm going to do this. But it's tossed aside once it comes down to the actual doing. We're, We're good to think about it, Oftentimes we struggle when it comes to the doing of it. So this morning, I want you to consider with me this thought. Here's our title this morning, Out with the Old. Brother Richard, you can stay. You don't have to leave. <laughs> out, out with the old this morning. Look with me, Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 22. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This morning I want us to consider the matter. Don't close your Bible. We're going to stay here in this passage. I want you to consider this matter of out with the old. Father, I pray that you'll help us in this time that We've gathered together this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for your free salvation. 
Lord, I pray today would be a day where by your word and through your Holy Spirit that you would bring to light some old things in our lives uh, that need to go. I pray that you'd have free course to work in every heart, in every life. I pray that, uh, Lord, we would not only be receptive to what you have for us, but that we'd be responsive. And, Lord, that we'd take the responsibility now uh, that you give to us to examine these things and that we would place ourselves under your microscope today. Lord, do the spiritual surgery that's needed in our hearts and lives. And I pray if there's one here without Christ, that before they leave this place, Lord, they'd trust in you and receive your free gift of salvation. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, when I say out with the old, I'm not talking about a temporary feeling. I'm talking about a thrilling faithfulness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, the Bible declares, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now I want you to think about that and notice the completeness of the endeavor. If all the new things in our lives are going to grow, then all the old things have got to go. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Ephesians 4.22 says that ye put off concerning the former conversation. What that means is the past manner of living. Your mm, past life. The, the way that you uh, lived prior to salvation. The behavior that you had before uh, trusting Christ. He says now to these uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, now writes to these uh, people in Ephesus And he says to them, here's the encouragement, here's the challenge, put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. It's not meant to be selective, it's meant to be complete. It's not meant to be temporary, it's meant to be permanent. But that brings some questions, and that brings some challenges that you and I must not only identify, but we must answer as well. So look back at our text, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. Let me give you some questions and some answers And as I give you each answer, we'll look at some different aspects of that question and answer as we go along. But the first, out with the old question that we ask is, why? Why does Paul write this? Why does the Lord direct Paul now to give this uh, challenge, to give this command, uh, to give this now uh, idea to the people of Ephesus, and by extension, you and I here still today. That first question is why? Well, here's the answer. We are corrupted by sin. That's the answer to the statement, the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Without question today, the problem that you face, the problem that 
I face is this matter of sin and the matter of the corruption that comes as a result of sin. Hold your place here in Ephesians chapter number 4 and turn with me back to Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. Ephesians 4.22 says, Put off the old man. It says, uh, the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. I want to, I want you to look at Romans 6 with me and I'm going to show you a threefold reason why it's so important that you and I get the sin out of our lives. Why it was so important for Paul to write this. Why it's so important why God wants us to know this. Uh, there is a threefold reason why. The first reason is this. To destroy sin. The first reason uh, that it's important to get sin out is to destroy sin. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Him who? Jesus Christ. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve Sin. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. Do you realize today to not put the sin out is to invite death in. The wages of sin is death. In Romans chapter 6, look at verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The first reason why it's important to get sin out is to destroy sin. The second reason is to deliver from sin. Why did Jesus come to this earth to put an end to sin? Now, that has not fully happened. He paid the price for sin. But until uh, he, uh, until we get past the great white throne judgment, then they'll be put that end to sin permanently. But number two, to deliver from sin, Romans 6 verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over Him. Why it's so important to get sin out. To destroy sin. To deliver from sin. Can I tell you today, if you're not dead to sin, you'll be, you'll continue to be dominated by sin. Say, what does it mean to be dead to sin? It doesn't have any attraction for you anymore. It doesn't have any pull for you anymore. It doesn't draw you. It doesn't entice you. You can uh, now stand and resist that sin. If you're not dead to sin, you'll continue to be dominated by sin. But let me give you that third reason, and it's this, to depart from sin. To depart from sin. Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. I want you to know today, sin will control and conquer you as long as you choose to cling to it and continue in it. 
That brings us to our second out with the old question. Why, why is it so important that the old man is put off? Well, to destroy sin, to deliver from sin, to depart from sin. But the second question is this. How do we get it out and keep it out? Here's the answer. We must be changed by righteousness. We must be changed by righteousness. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We must be changed by righteousness. Look at verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Doesn't stop there. Look at verse 24. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I want you to notice three things about this change. This uh, uh, righteous change that must happen in your life and in my life if we're going to have victory over sin. Three things about this change. Number one is this. It demonstrates God's love. It demonstrates God's love. Romans 5 and verse 8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us. He displayed it. He proved it. He put it to the test. He showed His love for you and for me. Say, well, how did He do that? Well, John 3.16 tells us the answer. For God so loved the world. That's a lot of people. That's everybody. Well, we'll see that in just a moment. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. That whosoever, who's that mean? Everybody. Put your name there. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This matter of being changed by righteousness, it demonstrates God's Love. There's another John 3.16. It's 1 John 3.16. Hereby we, uh, hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us. That brings us to number two. Not only uh, does this matter of being changed by righteousness demonstrate God's love, but it demands God's exchange. There is no other way for you to have righteousness than for God to make a great exchange. You say, what was that exchange? Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He knew no sin. It wasn't us. He was made He took our sin upon Himself. He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness, there's that word, of God in Him. If you're going to be changed by righteousness, you're going to have to understand it demonstrates God's love and it demands God's exchange. But number three, it depends upon God's work. Romans 5.8 again. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
He died in our place for our sake. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, who gave Himself for us. You notice that? Who gave Himself for us. That He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. You would think of Ephesians in chapter 2. Just a page or two back in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I don't work for my salvation, but because of my salvation I work. That's what it says. I don't work to be saved. I work because I'm saved. See, salvation doesn't depend upon your work. It doesn't depend upon my work. It solely rests on Christ's finished work. Here's the reality for us. We see why that we need to get sin out. We see how. But the truth is this. You cannot work righteousness in yourself by yourself. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, the Bible says, But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. You know, it's that it didn't say all our unrighteousnesses. Well, that one's hard. It says all our righteousnesses. The, The best that you can ever do still falls short without Christ. So because of that, because you can't uh, free yourself from sin, because you can't on your own, in your own strength, remove sin from your life, because you in your work cannot save yourself, we require now God's love. And in His love, He made the one and only way for you and me to receive His gift of grace instead of the death sentence that we deserve for our sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's through Christ alone. You can't add anything to it. You don't take anything away from it. I'm here to tell you, it's Christ and Christ alone. It's not Jesus and, it's not Jesus or, it's Jesus only. And if you're trusting in anything else for your salvation... Friend, you better stop and take a good hard look. You better examine yourself. You better ask God to help you to understand. Is your faith and trust in Christ alone for your salvation? The greatest day in my life is when I realize, you know what? I can't save myself, but I know I need to be saved. And I know that God made a way where there was no way. And if I just trust Him, He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And the promise was made that if I would trust Him, if I'd believe in Him, if I would put my eternity, rest all of me upon Him, who 
whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Watch. It didn't say, but someday get. It said, but have, shall have everlasting life. You realize that's a present tense. Uh, that means there's some things that you and I uh, ought do in the moment. And you say, well, what is that? That means we need to put off the old man. His loving work of exchanging His righteousness for our sin does not just, friend, affect our soul, but it should affect our steps, our walk as well. That's why in Ephesians 2.10 it says that we should walk in them. In them what? It says we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So that brings us to the third question. When we say, why do we need to get sin out? Because sin is deadly. And how do we get sin out? Through the grace of God, through the love of God, through the salvation and the victory that's found in Jesus Christ alone. The third question is this. What should we get out and keep out of our lives? And the answer is this. There are some characteristics of life to refuse. And look at our text, Ephesians chapter 4. There are six specific things given by God through the Apostle Paul. Six specific things that have zero place living in the believer's life. Six old things that got to go. Six things that when it comes to putting off the old man, these six things are vitally important. I'll give them to you this morning. Number one is this. There are six of them. Number one is this. A lying tongue. A lying tongue. I didn't say it. God said it. Look at verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. A lying tongue. You know, as Christians, we ought to be known for honesty. And it ought not be mentioned among us that we're liars. And if you would, in fact, go to the book of Revelation and look, you would see uh, there are some uh, attributes given. It says that these uh, cannot see the kingdom. And guess who's mentioned in there? Liars. What's the old that's got to go? A lying tongue. Put away lying. Number two. Never mind. Let's just move to number three. You say, why? Because I... Number two. A lousy temper. Why don't you look at what it says in verse 26. Be ye angry. You see that? And sin not. You notice it doesn't say don't be angry. It says be ye angry and sin 
not. There's an idea going around today. Well, you claim to be a Christian and and you get angry. You're right, I get angry. I get angry about the millions of babies that have been murdered in our land. I get angry about the wicked agenda that's being pushed on our children in schools. I get angry about the departure from the Word of God that we see. I get angry about that. And sin not. Say, well, what in the world? Be ye angry and sin not. Wait, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. When it comes to this matter of lousy temper, and it says, be ye angry and sin not, what he's saying there is there needs to be now a justified reason for that anger. Well, what's a justified reason for the anger. When things go against, thus saith the Lord. Is that not why Jesus was angry in the temple with the money changers? You know, every now and then, every now and then, there's some tables that just need to be flipped over. Not because we love to do it, not because we desire to do it, not because we have some selfish rage boiling within us, but because we have a scriptural reason to stand against wickedness. Be ye angry and say, oh, it's okay. Just let them go on and do. They're not hurting anyone. The wages of sin is death. Friends, I'm angry at the devil and I'm angry about this matter of sin and I'm angry about this matter of death and eternal condemnation. And hey, it's the anger that drives us now in love to help others see for God so loved the world. I'm angry that the devil has his hold on people. I'm angry that the devil works his way in in amidst God's people. I'm angry that the devil wants to shut down the work of God and he wants to cancel the Word of God and he wants to eliminate the people of God. And that angers me. But for the right reason. Why? Because it goes against the love of God. And it goes against the plan of God. And it goes against God Himself. When it comes this matter, be ye angry and sin not. Let me give you an example. Okay. And I'll, I'll, we'll get part of what I'll give you here in a future one. Be ye angry and sin not. Let me give you an easy example. That means I'm not supposed to wave my tallest finger at the driver that cuts me off in traffic. Be angry. It's sin. It's, well, I'm mad because he don't know how to drive. Yeah, right. But, but I don't need to sin as a result of my wrath, of my rage, of my selfishness, of my fleshly desire to respond. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Number three, two things so far, a lying tongue, that that needs to go. That's the old that's got to go. A lying tongue, a lousy temper. Number three, a look for temptation. 
a look for temptation. Look with me at verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Friend, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, you need to be saved. It's the only way you're going to get victory over the sin in your life is to trust Christ because He broke the bonds of sin. He breaks the shackles of sin. But if you're here this morning and saved, this verse is vitally important. Neither give place to the devil. You say, well, the devil's on my doorstep knocking on my door. Don't open it. And please don't send him an invitation and set him a place at your table. You realize you have a responsibility as a child of God to guard your heart, to guard your mind, to guard your eyes. We, we sing a song with the little kids, Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little ears what you hear. Oh, be careful little feet where you go. Or be careful little hands what you do. Why? For the Father up above is looking down with love. you're only hurting yourself if you're giving the devil place in your life. What does that mean? That means you just freely, willingly just walk looking for it. I I want to be close to this. I want to be near the... Neither give place to the devil. Let me give the fourth one. A liking of theft a liking of theft. I can't help but think of that cartoon where the one looks at the other and he says, one of you flat foot stole my lollipop. My son will get that. He's smiling back there. (laughs) A liking of theft. You know, there are some people, they just like to steal. They just like to steal. What do we call them? Kleptomaniacs. Do you realize? Look, look, look at verse 28. We talk about a liking of theft. Let him that stole steal no more. Let him that stole steal no more. Now we often think about the physical things in our life. I don't want somebody to come to my house and, you know, break into my house or into my garage and, and take my things. Or I, I don't want somebody... You know, if I let you borrow my pen, that doesn't mean you get to walk away with it. No. <laughs> let him that stole steal no more. Do you realize that you can be a Christian kleptomaniac? The time that God has blessed you with you can steal from him. You say, well, how do I do that? Give place to the devil. Give place to the lying tongue. Give place to the lousy temper. You, you realize that the talent that God has blessed you with, you can steal. You know, one of the things that grieves my heart, you know, we, we live in the day of... Uh, Everybody wants to be an idol. Everybody wants to be a star. Everybody wants to be a hero. Everybody wants to be popular. Everybody wants to be famous. And it's given rise to these 
reality TV shows, these contests where people get on and compete, you know, like American Idol or The Voice or, or different things like that. And one of the things that really gets me is if you'll watch in the beginning where they're choosing contestants and they'll interview these people, it never fails. Every season, uh, and I haven't watched all the seasons, so, but I know it never fails because every time I have seen it shows up every time you'll find someone there and this is what they'll say well I grew up singing in the church and where I learned to sing was in the church but everybody said you have such a good voice and now I want to expand my horizons and I want to share my talent with the world why so that they can gain the riches of the world you can steal your talent from the Lord Let me give you a personal example. I have an aunt who is now in glory who when she was younger had an absolutely beautiful singing voice. On my dad's side of the family, everyone was musically inclined. Not as much as Brother Gary, but they were musically inclined. Brother Gary is, I mean, I am in... I am shocked by, uh, wow. Anyway, I, I could give him a rubber band and a uh, paper towel tube and he'd have a musical instrument made in a couple of minutes and he'd know how to play it. But my aunt, she had this ability to sing. She had a beautiful voice. And in her young adult years, she left the church and she took that talent and she squandered it. She used it, not for the glory of God, but she used it for her own glory. Now, this is, and this is her, her words here, not, not mine. I'm not, I'm not making anything up about her. Years later, uh, when I was a senior in high school, and we had gone to, uh, down to their house, and, and uh, one of my aunts played the piano, and And they had a piano, so we all sort of just gathered around the piano and we all started to sing. And my aunt, she opens her mouth and she goes to sing. And it's just the the most raspy, nastiest voice that you could hear. And, you know, of course, everybody keeps singing, but I'm, I'm unaware of all of this. And she starts to weep. And she said, I took my voice that God gave me and I used it for what God didn't want me to use it for and now God took my voice. She said, I'd give anything to be able to sing to Him like I used to. Now I'm here to tell you today, friend, thank God for grace and thank God for mercy. And I know that she's saved and I know that she's in glory and I know that someday soon I'll hear her sing sweetly for the Savior. I I know that. But can I tell you, there's often with our time, it's often with our talent that we'll steal from God. Wait a minute. You know the third one's coming. Our treasure. You know, I'm here to tell you today, come back next Sunday night. I got some numbers that are going to stagger you just about how good God has been to bless 
and I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for your giving. But I know from my own life in the past, I know there was a time in my life where I said, you know what, I can't give this to God. I can't afford to give this up. I can't afford to go without this. And I wouldn't give it. That's just as bad as stealing it in the first place. Because everything we have has come from Him. We ought to be willing, we ought to be cheerful in our opportunity that we get to give back to the Lord. And I'm thankful, again, I'm thankful for you. But there is that thought that we can steal our time from God. We can steal our talent from God. We can steal our treasure from God. Wait a minute, there's a fourth one. We can steal our thoughts from God. God gives you a whole bunch of time. And often you find yourself in those times Nothing to do but think. Say, so I don't have a problem with overthinking, but I think about it all the time. <laughs> Said that in Sunday school this morning. In that matter of our thought life, where, where do our thoughts go? Do they go where they need to? Do they, they point it to the Lord or do we use them for something else? A, a liking of theft. Let him that stole steal no more. Let me give you the fifth one. A language of trash. A language of trash. This, This is one of those old man things that needs to be put off. It needs to be put out of our life. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying Now, here, I want you to understand, it says corrupt communication, and we're quick to think of all those, you know, words that they beep out on television. But if you'll read the verse, when it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, it goes on to say, but that which is good to the use of edifying. What does that mean? That means that our speech ought to be building others up, working to build each other up. That means, you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you the truth, that hard truth. And sometimes it stings, but it's the truth. But we're going to say it in love because we're going to be angry and sin not. See how that works? And we're not going to give place to the devil and grab you by the throat and choke you out. We're not going to steal from the Lord as we do it or steal from others. You realize when we refuse to honestly communicate with others, not critical, not harsh, remember, to build up to the use of edifying. Not to tear them down, but to build others up. And when we shirk our responsibility for that, that we're actually not only stealing our talk from God, but we're stealing the joy potential for the hearer. Let him that stole steal no more. Oh boy, that's that's convicting because I think of a lot of people in my life where the Holy Spirit has nudged me and says, you need to talk to this one. You need to share the gospel with this one. You need to talk to this one about this. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. Well, I'm not only, you know, mm, refusing what the Lord has told me to do, but 
potentially stealing the opportunity that that one has with the Lord. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Let's not be biting and devouring and tearing each other down. Let's be looking now to build each other up. Let me give you number six. And it's this. A loathing of truth. A loathing of truth. Look at verse 30. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. If the redeemed refuse the truth, it won't be long until there's a return to trash. And that'll gain you nothing but grief. This is why it's so important that you and I follow the Lord and resolve to put off the old man that we uh, now buy into this out with the old. And that brings us to our fourth and final out with the old question this morning. When should we get the old out? The answer is now. We must accept God's challenge to respond. You say, is there a challenge? Uh Uh-huh. Look at verse 31. Let all, that that word all is there, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. You notice that's all present tense. Be put away from you. That's a now with all malice. Colossians chapter 3. We'll look at Colossians chapter 3 a little bit more this evening. Colossians chapter 3 verses 8 and 9 say this, But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to the other, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. The same thing that Paul wrote to Ephesus, he wrote to Colossae. The same thing that Paul wrote to Ephesus and Colossae is meant for you and for me. And I'm here to tell you this morning, now is the time for out with the old. The question is, what will you choose? Before we enter our invitation, I will give you this short announcement. This morning's message is out with the old. You come back tonight at 6 o'clock. And we'll talk about in with the new. But right now, it's time. There's no sense in focusing on in with the new until you've responded to out with the old. There's some things that have to go. And if the Lord's spoken to your heart today, I pray you'll respond to Him. Our heads are bowed.